We got one. We just need one more. Yep. Will it? Will he come? Uh. Egad, the suspense is maddening. Uh... I would do a drum roll, but we might be here for a minute. <laughs> All right. Did you hear my? Oh no, we're good. Read. Hello. Read. We got everybody here. That took a hot minute, but yeah. that's, at least it looked quicker than last time. Yeah. Anyways, uh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. All right, everybody. Welcome back to yet another episode of the the podcast that is single handedly got us through 2020, and that is, of course, David. Oh, what's that smell? You thinking again? That's right. We're yet again joined by Reed, Hello. the the madman himself. The guy yes. who got our 180s episode to like 22 listens somehow. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I'm. I'm. On it's it. it's impressive. I know. I, I don't 100 percent think it's you, but David thinks it's you. So. Yeah. Yes. Might I be, think yeah. it's Reed. Reed's the reason that our videos are so magic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. It was the magic touch, and <laughs> yeah. we're not we're not falling upon this because we want more views. We're falling upon this because it was really fun and we want to do it again. Yeah. So, uh, uh, how's the weather up there in Wisconsin? It's uh, Reed. What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> it's Reed. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty sunny. It's nice. I think it's pretty cold, but maybe I'll go for yeah. a walk. Yeah. It's like 30 degrees outside. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's pretty cold down here as well. Uh, my blinds are closed, so I couldn't tell you how nice it is. It's probably nice. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I always feel bad. I should really open the blinds before we do an episode just because, like, I know the weather's going to come up at some point. Yeah. And like the the spotlight's gonna fall upon me to tell you how Illinois is doing. <laughs> and usually it's the exact same as Wisconsin, but you know. Anywho, yeah. let's hop into this episode because no one wants to hear about the weather. People want to hear about the nineties. So we did eighties last uh not last week, but last time we did an episode with Reed. Uh we had some good discussion there talking about like why eighties movies stood out. I think the nineties, I feel, was when movies started to kind of get going. Like, even in the 80s, there were a lot of movies, but, like, they weren't, like, the biggest thing, you know? Like, there were big stuff, but it, it was starting to kind of, like, build up as the 90s came along. You started getting bigger directors getting a lot of movies in, and, like, you started getting these, like, flagship movies, like, yeah. that were started becoming, like, pop culture definers. Actually, pop culture kind of became a big thing in the 90s, and, yeah. like... As a result, the 90s have probably the biggest collection of classic movies for, like, a, the general audience knows. The 80s is very close behind. But if you're talking, like, movies that everybody knows, the 90s has a huge collection of those. Yeah. Whether, yeah. whether they realize they're being referenced or not, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to take it. I want to uh, shift the focus to read real quick. I was wondering, what do you think are some of the defining traits of a ton of the 90s movies? Not all of them, because, you know, 90s are pretty diverse. But, like, what were some of the defining characteristics that you noticed? Like, any any decade, really, um, it's going to be, like, a lot of variety. But I'd say, as compared to either the 80s or the 2000s generally, you get... um, It almost kind of calls back to the 70s, where it was a lot, like, edgier... Um, it's almost like less plot driven I see in a lot of like the movies that are coming out. Obviously there's tons of movies with great plots, but uh, there's a huge focus on like dialogue and more like acting and stuff like that, as opposed to huge storylines in the eighties. Um, 
I'd say. So. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's like I think like the nineties kind of had that like they were like flexing that like at this point in time we can make good movies, you know? Like there's yeah. much more money going into movies. So mm-hmm. like the eighties you'd get like a one or two big budget movies like that were be memorable and then you'd move on, you know. I think they were always there, but like the ones that were mainstream, not a lot. But the nineties yeah. out here had a lot of mainstream big budget movies. People were like, Hey, look at these movies, you know? And as a result, there are a lot more effort going into movies than or a lot or more effort going into more movies, I should say. And you're getting a lot more like interesting ideas. You know, you're getting more less plot driven, more dialogue driven. And you're getting yeah. like, uh, also I noticed a lot of longer movies. Like, yeah, for sure. The, the, yeah. the uh, times started getting a lot longer. You started getting three hour movies and you're like, okay, why am I sitting yeah. for three hours? And then people are like, less, wow, yeah. I love three hour movies now. Used to be <laughs> only artsy movies were long. But now we're getting like the mainstream movies were long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, David, do you have anything to add on this? Um, I think you guys covered a, a lot of a lot of big points. I mean, I think '90s were like really. I mean, the '80s were a turning point, but the '90s really like solidified it. You know, like the '90s are very similar um, to to how movies are today in a way. It's like 80s kind of, it was the spark. And then 90s was the one that really, you know, laid the groundwork down for movies that we love today, you know? Like, there are so many classics in the 90s. Um, and it, it's, it's just, it's, it's great. It's great. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, I have a question again to pose, but I guess this one does focus a little more on Reed because if Reed had a little more movie experience than David, I'm sorry, David, I don't mean to isolate okay. you. Okay. But I have to ask, as I was looking through movies from the 90s, there are some directors that kind of consistently came up. Uh, who do you think kind of owned the 90s in terms of the amount of quality they spit out? Like. Okay. Because um, the 80s, you couldn't really say that because there weren't a lot of people consistently making a ton yeah. of movies in the 80s. But 90s started getting a lot more people. So who do you think kind of had the biggest like imprint on the 90s? Okay, well, the first person that comes to mind is Tarantino because of... He he actually only made three movies in the 90s, but still. that's Oh, yeah, yeah. But all of pretty... Tarantino's movies are considered, like, besides maybe Death Proof, like, everybody loves Tarantino's movies. So. Yeah, yeah. So he made Reservoir Dogs, which is his debut, or his... And that kind of hit the world, kind of. And then yeah, right. two years later, he made Pulp Fiction, which almost somehow that one, like the Palm Door or whatever. Mm. And that was even a bigger hit for the world. And then he made Jackie Brown, which isn't as famous, but like yeah. his pretty, style, like in pretty all right. So much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Terrence, you know, I feel like he, I feel like his influence kind of went on to the 2000s and 2010s. But like, yeah, for sure. Without yeah. Tarantino, I feel like there'd be a ton of movies that would either be much less interesting or much less unique because of him. Like, I think that him embracing how gory and weird things can get and like, you know, and yeah. that was another one with, with length because, you know, Pulp Fiction's crazy long. Like, I think that yeah. kind of led in, and Jackie Brown's really long too, uh, but like kind of led into other people being more comfortable, like doing more things that are a little more violent. And addressing more violent ideas. Yes, and it kind of adds on to like the the more uh, less plot driven, more like dialogue driven. Almost exactly because yeah, yeah. 
I think, yeah, I also think, like, I don't think movie, like, certain movies would not exist without him, or, like, wouldn't not exist, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I think there'd be plenty of darker, more, like, bizarrely, bizarrely over-the-top movies that I feel like would be a little toned down, and as a result, not, not as yeah. memorable. Yes. I think another one that had a huge impact on this, on the decade, was Steven Spielberg. Because yes, he'd I been guess. he'd been around for you know before because he'd done movies like Jaws and he'd done yeah uh, et yeah et and Raiders yeah. but he like the three most notable from the nineties that I pick out is Saving Private Ryan Schindler's List and Jurassic Park yes all like all three of these like kind of like landmark movies for the genre they they are depicting like Schindler's List is considered one of the greatest films of all time by many people. And it's mm-hmm. also one of the first movies that used its budget because uh, the '90s having those big budgets to like to actually create things that are both historically accurate and extremely emotionally potent, you know, or emotionally powerful. Mm-hmm. Like he kind of used that medium to create something that hadn't hadn't really been done before to that scale. Saving Private Ryan elevated the way that war movies were made, like actual like battle war movies where there was much more character to it much more emotion to it i, I without going too much into detail because spoilers i might talk about it later like saving private ryan kind of did something that a lot of war movies didn't do and if they did do it they weren't as well known spielberg used that budget and made it like 20 times more notable mm-hmm. like to the general audience and jurassic park like jurassic park influenced so much because of how it how it like revolutionarily it used cgi like Jurassic Park did something that no movie had done before to this scale and to this level of creativity, and it made everyone else want to do it. Like this, yeah. what I guarantee you, without Jurassic Park, we would not see the CGI boom of the two thousands that made people sick of it. You know? Yeah. Like for real, like Jurassic Park totally like led the way to that. Oh yeah, for sure. Because that was did that, was that the highest grossing movie of all time for a while before like Titanic or something? I thought it was. I would not be surprised. I'm I can't. I'm not gonna say it was, but I would yeah. be surprised. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's crazy that he uh, Schindler's List and Jurassic Park came out in the same year. Oh yeah, I did. You're right. I forgot yeah. about that. I, I would have mentioned that, but I kind of forgot. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm. I feel like I'm blanking. I'm sure there's another Steven Spielberg movie that came out in the '90s that was also a big deal because Spielberg's made like 20 movies. Uh, but yeah, like, he's made a ton. Yeah, uh, but like honestly, like the I, I always felt like, especially looking back, like Steven Spielberg had probably one of the biggest influences in terms of the general audience of the '90s. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, uh, is there anybody else that comes to mind, Reed? And of course, David, you can feel free to interject as well. I will not, I'm not going to limit you or anything and be like, you don't know anything. Shut up, David. <laughs> no, but of course you can speak. All right. David, do you have anything? Um, well, you see, I mean, like I kind of said, I'm not, I'm not too well versed in directors, um, <clears throat> even of today. Um, I, I know a couple, but I, I think I think you guys have really touched on the ones that, you know, I know, but that, that's OK. That's all good. Yeah. So I, I wanted to have that question asked and, yeah. you know, for the listener. It's all good, yeah. David. I promise I'm not trying to exclude you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd think of two more maybe, and that would be um, Wong Kar Wai and... Ooh, going, going on a little uh, non-American. Yeah, it's yeah. Exciting. Hong Kong cinema, yeah. And uh, who's the other? Uh, David Fincher, yeah. Ooh, Fincher, yeah. Yeah, yes. definitely. Yeah. Um, for, for those of you listeners who aren't American, 
or well versed in the well versed in the the world of cinema. Wong Kar Wai did a couple movies. He did In the Mood for Love, I believe it's what it's called. Yes. He did that was, yeah. Ch- Chungking Express. Is that how you pronounce it? Chung- yeah, that's how Chung I Chungking Express. It. Fallen Angels, I believe he did. Yes. Yeah. Essentially, he did. He did a bunch of a ton of movies that now are considered like some of the greatest movies. Like, I I, I might even say of all time. I I know plenty of people who consider them some of the greatest films. Um, but you know, not American, and you know that's interesting. Yeah. So that's not that's why you haven't heard of them because unless you're like well versed in Letterbox or something. Yeah, I mean, I. Okay, I'm not like expert on his films, but I've only seen one, which is I've Chung seen Peng. zero, so. <laughs> but like to me, I feel like from what I've seen um, and heard of style, he actually did like the way he utilizes colors and romance, and 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 mixes it with crime and all of that. I feel like it's almost kind of um, seeped into American cinema, and you know, like people like Tarantino watch they he loved Chunking Express, and he said it influenced his style. So I feel like it kind of comes back around to like influencing a lot of American um, movies in the later decades as well. So that's why I said him. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, that makes sense. I mean, I, I'd love to say I could add something to that, but I have not seen any. <laughs> Sorry I about that. I recommend Sean King. It's really good. Yeah. It is not, they're not available on much. That's like true. I, I know I'd it's have so to get them on criterion collection or I can't yeah. find them at all. Yeah. It's annoying. Ah, uh, well, no worries. Uh, Fincher. David, you know a bit about Fincher, which is exciting. Wait, 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 wait what is he directed? <laughs> Fight Club 7. Oh, oh, you're right, yeah. I just wanted to, I wanted to see <laughs> if you could interject. It's no problem if you can't. <laughs> uh, you got this, David, I believe in you. <laughs> um, well, well, you see, I mean, as, as you guys know, I wasn't able to identify the movies of this guy. <laughs> um, I mean, just j- just by his name, but I I mean I- I've seen a couple of his movies. Um, I'm looking at Letterboxd right now. He's in the Social Network. And yeah, like, yeah. exactly. He's doing Mank. Yeah, Mank. Excited for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's in a couple movies that I really like. Um, I really like his style uh, of his movies. Um, the the, you know, I I'm not very good at. Um, judging directors and how they and how they work. <laughs> Here, no, it's all good, David. I got you. Got us. What about the? What about Dave? Uh, like, what does Fight Club and Seven, those being the ones that came out closest to the net to the nineties and within the nineties, like, what do you think those two movies have in common? Um. Well, besides like Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's see. Well, I, I wish I had a little bit of time to think about this. It's all good. Um, I didn't think I'd be talking about him. Um, <laughs> so sometimes you got to get put on the spot. It gives you the best. Yeah, I know. You got to improvise a little bit. Got to improvise a little bit. Mm. Um, let's see. Well, if if I was gonna do an, an analysis of of how Fight Club and Seven kind kind of kind of relate to each other, um, let's see. Kind of do you, do you want to get me started a little bit and I can kind of piggyback off of you? Sure. Okay. Well. Okay. So actually, yeah, I, I think uh, I think Reed should do it because I haven't seen Seven. <laughs> oh okay. yeah. Okay. Um, and I mean, he also did the game, but I haven't seen that. And he did uh, Alien Three. 
Ugh, it's Alien Three. That's his debut. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Alien Three is not representative of his content yeah, not at all. At all. It, I mean, it's not terrible, but like, it's not like anything Fincher. It's it's yeah. mostly just let's try to do Alien One, but in a prison and bad. But you yeah. know, off so, topic. I mean, okay. So the first thing that I would I would note is that David Fincher is like he's more of a studio director than like the other people that we've mentioned, except maybe Spielberg. So like he gets hired to do a movie instead of like choosing the movie for himself, but he's still, but he's considered great. And I love him because he like makes every single movie his own, which is, he's basically, I think to me, fight club and seven are linked and that they're both, um, they're kind of like almost like really, really dark satires. It's like a thriller style. I would say seven is slightly less satire, even though there's some actually funny moments, but um, it's just, like dark thriller i guess is what i think of um he's really good at like uh suspense he's like a modern hitchcock kind of i would say Ooh, look at yeah. you and your connections yeah yeah <laughs> so i don't know if you want to add on to that david but um yeah yeah i mean I, I i totally agree with what you're saying i i can see how seven and fight club are both kind of like they're, they're, they're like thriller movies in a way um and i really enjoy that style from this director um you know i i i don't know much about him as a person but like his directing um i i can tell he's very experienced in his directing i i don't know everything that he's directed besides these movies but i i i personally think he's done a very good job um both fight club and seven are like regarded as incredible movies like fight club is regarded as one of the best movies of all time in the 90s um and seven's also an incredible movie as well um it has so much suspense and mystery to it like there there's like this huge plot twist within both seven and fight club that you weren't expecting that came out of left field yeah for sure like you were not expecting this i mean i guess if you're watching a second time around or you're super good at finding stuff within the movie you might be able to find it but first time around watching it you won't be able to find any like plot twists or secrets in the movie and i think uh david fincher does a really good job at building up suspense and tension um with his movies and i think that's really awesome yes for sure definitely i can actually i have a point now that i think david can answer because i figured out something i just remembered something that david could answer i think the 90s had one of the most interesting changes but not in the terms of normal live-action movies, but it was animation movies that kind of had the biggest change. And I think, David, you've seen pretty much every animated movie we can talk about for this yeah. segment. So please, David, what do you think changed? I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave, you know, leave it up vague so the audience can answer on their phones. Oh, man. So, I mean, I'm going to bring up the, the, the biggest point um, is CGI animation. I mean... That really came into play in the 90s. I mean, we got Toy Story, um, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2. Ants. Uh, ants. You know, <laughs> we, got, we, got these, we got these CGI movies that have never, never been done before. Um, and they were huge. This was huge. Having CGI animation in a big budget movie that's like over an hour and a half long. I, I think I think they're over that. They're over that. 
Well, but, I think Toy Story is a little under an hour and a half, but you know that starts to build as time goes on. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it gets to the point. I mean, the point is they're like full-length featured films um, with big-name actors, and I mean that's huge. I mean that's huge because you know animation has like never really been that big until now. I mean, in the '80s, we really we really only had like um, hand-drawn uh, featured films. But it wasn't until the 90s when that really kick-started. Um, I'm taking Disney, for example, because Disney now really only relies on CGI animation. And 90s was when that really, you know, started and hit the ground running. Um, and that's incredible. You know, like Toy Story, Toy Story 2, incredible films. Very good films. Um, and this has never been done before. And Disney was a trailblazer for this. Um, and and just, just like animation and, and as, as a whole just increased and became so much better. Movies such as like The Lion King or a Goofy movie, you know? Like, I mean, personally, I really like Goofy movie. I just have a strong connection to it. Maybe uh, maybe you guys should listen to the episode on it because that's yeah. how much we enjoy this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Name name another movie we did an entire episode on. That's right, none. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, animation just as a whole just was better and different and just so much more unique. Uh, Reed, Connor, do you want to talk about it a little bit? I'll let the guest go. You got this. I mean, yeah, I uh, basically David said it like uh, I'd say animation. If you think I can name like maybe, I don't know, three to five animated movies in the 80s that I really liked. Um, and most of them are they're all Ghibli movies. Oh, well, yeah, because Disney was really lacking in the 80s. Yeah. yeah what? You're going to say your favorite Disney movie is Aristocats? No. Nope. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but then but then I would say actually this started in the late eighties with the Little Mermaid. So then the Disney Renaissance happened and everything that David mentioned, the Lion King, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, all of that. It was a complete change. The musicals, the musical uh, numbers were so much better, the animation was so much better, and it was just like a huge rebirth in animation. And then in ninety five, obviously Toy Story comes and that completely changes it once again. Um and the entire industry was completely changed because of CGI. Um, so it's, it's, it's 90s is probably the most influential or maybe the best decade for animation. And of course, on top of that, you have um, some of the best Ghibli films, which are uh, Porco Rosso, Princess Mononoke, uh, Whisper of the Heart. All that was done in the 90s. So yeah, I was kind of um, waiting for Ghibli to come up again. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I was no. kind of worried because I mean, Ghibli kind of like, they didn't start really like taking over until like the 2000s. That's when you started seeing like, oh, yeah, all these all Disney these movies from the past. Yeah. yeah, Disney started advertising them and marketing yeah. them. But like, that was when uh, I'm not gonna go into Ghibli because that's an entirely different thing. But like those those guys kind of came up later and totally took over because like people were like, oh, the only good animated movies that came out before the 2000s were Ghibli, and then I'm like, uh oh, what about Disney guys? Don't don't forget about Disney. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, go, well, moving back to Disney. Yeah, like the Disney Renaissance was already a huge change. Like that was like Disney finally getting back into that swing of things that Walt Disney started making. Like yeah. they go, they went back to their roots there. But then Toy Story came out 
and I watched it last night completely coincidentally. Um, but I, and I obviously I'm not going to go into a huge review of it, uh, but like it changed a ton. Like just even besides CGI, like the fa- the getting celebrity voice actors to that degree was really not that done. Like look back at those uh, Renaissance era Disney movies. Like there are not many big big celebrities. Oh yeah, it's sure. kind of baffling how the the the, the voice actresses who voice Disney princesses, some of the most iconic characters on the planet, are not that like well like renowned. Like yeah. Jodie Benson is not getting a ton of work after being Ariel. Like David, I, and since you're not super well versed in uh, voice actors, who is Paige O'Hara? Who does she voice? I I have no idea. I exactly. Idea. Like no one knows who they are, and like besides Lion King with uh with. I'm blanking on his name now. Uh, Mufasa, um, J- James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Besides him, wait. No, it's not. Is it not? I don't think it's James Earl Jones. No, yes, it is. I thought that was. Is it? Name. Okay. Uh, no. No. He's for... yeah. He voiced him in both. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I get him. Oh no. I get mixed up with Tommy Lee Jones all the time. My bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, James Earl Jones is really the biggest, and Matthew Broderick. Those are like the only big actors Disney ever gotten. They were both Lion King. The oh, rest Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg, yeah. So Lion King is really the only example of big voice actors like and, and Robin Williams. There's those yeah. but oh, like Aladdin, yeah. yeah, but like as for the majority of the movies, they weren't getting big voice actors. Then Toy Story came along and had, you know, Tom Hanks and Tim Allen, who were some of the biggest actors of that era. Yeah. Like they yeah, were I don't huge. know how they got Tom Hanks. Yeah, that's his, I found that he had just won best actor twice in a row with um, Philadelphia and Forrest Gump, I believe. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, like they went big names, and mm-hmm. after that point, Disney went big names. Like you need a big name in your movie to make it do well. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's kind of insane to me just how that he was essentially or that movie essentially pinned that into the collective consciousness that like animated movies need big voices and. The kind of there's also a kind of a level of maturity to it that comes with those celebrity voices because like you can't have celebrity voices just saying you know kids stuff, so they slipped in a lot of these weirdly I wouldn't say like you know raunchy but more like adult oriented jokes that like kids would hear and just go oh it was a character saying something weird, but adults sit there and go like why why did you put that in a kids movie yeah like it's so bizarre and like it's it's not like jarring it's not like shrek where like it's very explicitly not for kids like i mean shrek is for kids but like the dialogue is very clearly not aimed directly towards kids versus like toy story where it's it's clearly aimed towards kids but like the dialogue is a little a little more mature than like the disney movies prior but yeah it's just it's interesting to me how much toy story changed the game for animation and yeah. I, I need to stop talking because my voice is starting no. to hurt. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> is there any last points on that that you guys have? I think we covered yeah. most of it. Yeah. It's all good. I think it's a decent time to head in to start talking about some top fives. Yeah. Because we cool. did that in the 80s one. Went for a while. So might as well start yeah. as early as we can. Yeah. Um, I want to say for mine... I left out pretty much every movie that I've already talked about 
because if I did that, I'd only have one movie that I never talked about on it. I'd be talking oh. about Schindler's List. I'd be talking about Princess Mononoke. I'd be talking about uh, Night Before Christmas, Before Sunrise. I've already talked about those movies, and at okay. least at one point in the po- in the podcast. So every movie I'm talking about here, I've either not talked about at all or talked about very, very, very briefly. So it's not really it's not really a top five, but there are five really great '90s movies that I've never talked about. Let's start with Reed, okay. then okay. David, then me. We'll do five, 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 four, 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 three, 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 etc. Yes. All right. So I'm going to start off number five with. A movie we've kind of already uh, touched on, which is Seven by David Fincher, um, 1995. And this was, I think, this was his first big movie because he would make Fight Club in um, 99. Yeah. So this was the movie that really solidified him and um, gave him attention across the globe. Um, and it's not really hard to see why. It's It's an amazing movie. It's one of my favorite thrillers ever. It's just two hours of this dark intense kind of disturbing but in a good way um vibe and it's just uh the the basic premise is two detectives who are tracking down a serial killer who's doing very weird um religious-based crimes about the seven um sins and it gets really weird and (laughs) the ending scene i won't spoil it of course um it's just one of the best ending scenes ever and i'm i'm including everything well actually i won't talk about it because it's funny, but, uh, <laughs> like you, you gotta like beat around the bush very yeah, delicately yeah yeah um so yeah I'll, I'll just not talk about the plot from here on um so to me what makes it it it's already in a great thriller but what makes me love it even more is that um it takes the time to delve into the more like muddy human morals um, that maybe other thrillers just, just to entertain would not have done. And I kind of get from that some like Tarantino influence or Scorsese. Um, and David Fincher just completely makes it his own, even though he, he was, of course was hired to do this. It wasn't his film. Um, and I think it just stands out as one of the best movies of the nineties period. So, yeah. Awesome. That's right. I keep I keep worrying that seven came out in like two thousand three, and I'm like, oh well, crap. <laughs> like I always forget that every time. Yeah. Every time I think about the movie, I always assume it's a two thousand movie, yeah, or at least, it or at least it was after Fight Club. Like I always assume it was after Fight yeah, Club. Yeah, that's what I always think too, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it's Fight Club came out in nineteen ninety nine, so you can't really stay in the nineties and be yeah. after Fight Club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, anyways, David, number five. All right, um, my number five. So I'm going to kind of do what Connor's doing. So it's not really like my top five favorite. It's just top. It's just five movies that I really like that came out in the 90s. Yeah, David David does not like top fives. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we haven't, I mean, there's some, a peek behind the curtain for those who've, uh, for those of the listeners. That's why we haven't done a top five and or top 10 in like a month, a couple months, actually. Why don't you like them, David? Do you just like not making the list? um i don't don't know it's like it's partially it's hard to formulate um a list of my top five or top ten because it feels like they're stuck in a rigid formation it's like oh this has to be here or this has to be there that's fair and yeah i mean i don't blame you or anything i find that really hard to do sometimes too it's just like you don't swear by your rankings you know 
Yeah, like, for sure. If if someone comes up to you and it's like, "Hey, why'd you put Annie 2014 over Parasite?" You go, <laughs> "Hey, look, I just I put them in a ranking at the yeah. like just be, just because I like these movies a lot. I love them both, you know." Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you were saying like, "Oh, my, I hate this movie, but like this movie," and put them like one place in between each other, yeah, there might be a problem there. But I don't know. Just don't swear by them, and I think it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um. So, a movie that we've we've touched on a little bit, and I I won't go into too much detail because we might do a future episode on this. But Fight Club. All right. Well, Fight Club. I really really like Fight Club. Um, it's, it's, after I watched it, it's one of, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, if, if you haven't seen Fight Club, it's, it's basically about this guy who's sick of his mundane life and wants more out of it. And so he finds this guy, um, named, uh, Tyler Durden, I think. Yep. Um, and they... And he introduces him to the Fight Club, um, and I, I don't want to spoil anything, but um, it, it's it's a pretty crazy, fun, like I mentioned, thriller kind of movie um, that I think basically anyone could get some level of enjoyment out of. Um, just like the themes of this movie, and the writing, and the characters, they're just they're all great. They're they're all great. I mean, this movie is absolutely wonderful and was was fun from beginning to end. It, it it's a lot of fun, um, but it, it's also a movie that you know gives something to think about after you're done. It's like like what did I just watch? Like wh- like what was this movie that I just watched? And I, I think that. After watching it one time and then watching it a second time, I think you could get more enjoyment out of this. I, I think it's a kind of movie that you could watch multiple times and still get a lot of enjoyment out of. It, it's it's a lot of fun and very interesting and, and deep movie that I think that no other movie is quite like. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. Yep. We might do an episode in the future. We'll have to probably rewatch it. We planned on it like in October, I think, but... We kind of just didn't end up being able to do it. But no sweat. We'll do it eventually, I promise. Um, anywho, I will quickly hop on to my number five. Um, we talked about this one. Or no, no, we didn't talk about it. We watched this one, me and David, like a while ago, a long time ago. I think David probably still remembers it well. But it's the movie Perfect Blue from oh, yeah. 1997. Oh, gosh. Yeah, uh, Satoshi, <laughs> Satoshi Khan. Um, or Cone. Um, so I haven't watched this one in a while, but I think that kind of is a testament to how memorable it is because I remember a lot about this movie, but it's also one I can't really summarize because it's very difficult to summarize. The best way I can describe it is this actress who kind of shifts directions uh, in her career kind of starts having these, like, I, I, it's, it's very bizarre. Weird things happen to her as a result of her trying to shift and change. Like, it kind of tackles it tackles ideas about like like anxiety and paranoia. It deals with ideas of like um, the Hollywood system and like oh, well, not necessarily Hollywood in this case, but celebrity system and like how people there's like how fans can be so set on one person being one thing that any change destroys them. 
It's about like personal personal dealings with trying to be somebody that you don't think you are. You know, it's a lot of there's a lot of layers to it, and it's also extremely hard to follow. Like this is not one I would suggest to just anybody because it's really hard to follow. It's also really disturbing and really dark, but it's really well made, and like. I'm a guy who loves to think about movies and it was one that me and David talked about for a couple of days afterwards. Like it was really dark, really interesting. And like, I think is if you, if you enjoy like kind of that twisted kind of insanity that something like fight club can bring, I think this is totally a great, interesting idea, uh, interesting version that you could watch. That's, you know, that's, you know, not American. If you wanted to dip into something non-American and deep and dark and interesting think it's totally up that way um yeah it's really really solid movie i like it a lot yes that's a great movie hype 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 um number four all right so my number four is another animated movie um but it's more mainstream (laughs) (laughs) and we already talked about it and it is toy story um yeah um i was really close to putting princess mononoke from the same year um instead but I think I do like like this movie a bit more, even if I think Mononoke is a bit better. Um, so obviously, this is super famous movie. Everyone knows this. It's Everyone knows this movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's com- it was completely groundbreaking. I think it's almost hard to imagine what animated movies were even like before this because um, it just like completely shattered so many stereotypes about what animation had to be like either. Uh, American at least like musicals and it couldn't be adult oriented and it um obviously the celebrity actor thing that we talked about and did so many new things while also having such an entertaining story great characters um some actually really dark themes that are kind of scary for kids I'd say and of course Sid is terrifying Um, oh my gosh that stupid baby head yeah, like yeah. there's that Frankenstein baby head thing. I didn't watch this movie as a kid because of well, I did, but like I you know hide during those scenes. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, I'm glad <laughs> I, they did put it in there, but um, yeah, I I kind of have tr- uh, a bit of trouble finding even any flaws with it. It's so short as well that it's such a quick um, watch, and it's just over. And I'm like, oh, I kind of wish that went on, but whatever. <laughs> um, and it's uh, I mean. Let me just say the premise, even though we all know it. It is a toy cowboy who then um, a new astronaut comes. Um, well, he's owned by a kid who, who, wow, I'm really messing this up. Anyway, you got this, Reed. We believe in you. Um, so a kid named Andy, his favorite toy is a cowboy named Woody. And when a new astronaut arrives as a gift for Andy, they kind of clash and go on this adventure um, uh, based on the attention of this little boy and it's kind of a heartwarming story it's also about accepting who you are um accepting change when it comes it's almost like pixar is throwing a little like jab at disney as they're saying like oh just accept that we're gonna come in and change everything <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah and you can say even that pixar was buzz and that woody yes, was disney yeah exactly yeah um so yeah, that's it's so that's, that's the kind of subtlety we like around here. Yes, why not? Um, so yeah, great movie. That's awesome. Now I'm actually going to talk about Toy Story Two. Okay. <gasps> yeah. Egad. Yeah, I know. Thema- I know. Thematic. <laughs> um. So, 
Toy Story 2, I'm sure you guys all know Toy Story 2. If you guys know Toy Story 1, you gotta know the sequel Toy Story 2. Um, and one thing that's interesting um, to me about, about Toy Story 2 is that back in the 90s, we didn't get too many sequel movies. Not like today, kind of sequel movies where we where we literally only get sequel movies. Like back in the 80s and 90s, we used to get original movies. So having a sequel movie was kind of a big deal. I mean, that, that meant the movie was really big, really popular, and good enough that people wanted to see more of it, which which was incredible back then. For a movie to get a sequel, absolutely incredible. I mean, only a few movies got sequels back then. I mean, um, there was The Matrix and Jurassic Park, you know, Star Wars, you know. Very few movies actually got sequels, and the ones that did were astounding, you know. And Swift Story 2 is a great movie. It, it's, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, personally... I like Toy Story 1 better than Toy Story 2, but I still think Toy Story 2 is a phenomenal movie. Um, so, basically, if you don't know the premise of Toy Story 2, um, it's... Um, uh, you got this, David. Sorry, sorry. I, <laughs> it's I, so I, hard. I, I kind of blanked down on the premise of the movie for a second. Ah, um, oh, you plebeians can't even summarize a simple movie. I know, I know. Okay. <laughs> why, why do I even discuss with you? I know. Yeah, you just leave. <laughs> I know. Um, so, the movie is basically about Andy um, going away. I don't remember where he goes, but he's leaving. I guess at summer camp. Yeah, summer camp, and the toys are kind of left on their own. Um, but Woody ends up um, getting. I guess sold to a toy collector and he meets Jesse and the prospector and the horse guy. Um, the horse guy. <laughs> and and um, he meets the prospector and horse. Yeah, right, and the horse. Um, and then and then Woody's kind of like, should I go back or not? You know, it's like what like what do I want out of my life? You know, should I stay here with this prospector and Jesse and the horse? Or should I go back to Andy um, and Buzz and the other toys are trying to venture out into the wide, wide world and trying to save Woody? Um, it's a pretty good movie. If for some reason you haven't seen it, go out and watch it. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'll very briefly, I just want to very briefly note, like Toy Story had like the first one talked about like, ex- like, you know, not dealing with the fact that like, that you know you'll be abandoned like woody always was worried he was going to be abandoned but never was i think toy story 2 went that natural next step and was like okay maybe being abandoned isn't so bad like andy maybe not maybe isn't the center of the world which i mean that's totally like a natural next step for these movies and i think it was a really well done idea that i think was like i think toy story 2 really like hit that home it's really solid really solid yeah. uh my number four uh it's not anything pixar i'm sorry i, I, had, to, I had to cut off the streak uh, like okay number, my number four is bugs life <laughs> uh, but no uh so my number four is the sixth sense from Ooh. 1999 m night Shyamalan, which m night's kind of become like a dirty word yeah which you're not not wrong because you know 
Last Airbender, Lady in the Water. Terrible movies. The Happening. All terrible. But there was a time, guys. There was a time when he was really good. No. And Sixth Sense was that time. Like, he was nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Like, he was a good, good uh, writer and director. Not true. Okay, to be fair, I still defend M. Night as being a good director, even if he messed up. Well, yeah, I mean, because he's, uh, it's not like he's only made one good movie. Like, Unbreakable is really solid, too. And The Village is super good. Yeah. Is that going on? So I've I've only heard bad things about the sign about the village, but really oh no just so, watch okay anyway. yeah no worries I'll, I'll watch it eventually don't worry, uh, but Sixth Sense is really really solid. Uh, essentially, it's about this this I believe he's a child psychiatrist, and he kind of, he gets he gets kind of tasked with this new kid, and the kid like kind of has he's he's a very strange kid, and he has these strange mental problems. And, you know, as, as, as a psychiatrist does, he has to address it. And it's just kind of like this dip into, like, this very dark and very, like, like deeply complicated story. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of ideas here that I feel are, could be expanded upon further. But what's brilliant about the movie is that they don't really do that. They leave, like, these ideas kind of as these very, these very small, very, like, very non-explained moments of the story and let you kind of uh, let, let them kind of marinate in you. And as a result, it leads to these really memorable scenes that are very character driven, but not plot driven. So you sit there and you just see these characters dealing with this weird event and you kind of just let it sit there and but they don't really, they don't explain it. So you go, Oh, now I know what happened there. They kind of let you think about it and explain it in your own way without explicitly telling you. And that then there's of course one of the most iconic twists of all time, which has kind of solidified this movie as being like one that you need to watch multiple times. And I think Sixth Sense is like it has more than just the twist. Like it's a really solid film. Bruce Willis is fantastic. The child actors are fantastic in it. Like it's dark. It's interesting. It's intense. It's suspenseful. It's everything that one of those like kind of horror thrillers needs to be. But at the same time, having so much more there for a viewer to like get sucked into. It's really well done. Awesome. Um, yeah, uh, you should check it out if you haven't. I, I don't know if you guys have seen it. I don't I think David has. I've not seen it. No. Egad. I see it. You've seen the village, but you haven't seen Six. I have. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> Where do your priorities lie, Reed? I'm sorry. Jesus. <laughs> no worries. Uh, Reed number three. Okay, my number three. Um, Connor said he already brought this up in another um, episode. Oh, and I know you love this movie. It is Before Sunrise. Yeah, no worries. I brought but... it up as a I brought it up as a suggestion, so don't oh, worry. It's okay. not like I did a whole episode on it. So. All right. Okay. Good. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. I just can't even describe. Well, I will try to describe how much I love this movie. You um, got this. It's basically plotless. Um. It's just two characters walking around at Vienna after getting to know each other on a um train. They have to leave the next morning. They don't really have anything to do. So they just kind of walk around and talk about life and stuff. And it's and it's amazing, actually. It, it sounds kind of boring, but it's super good. Um, every single scene, every single uh, piece of dialogue is just... It's not important to the plot, per se, because there is no plot. But it's important to the characters and important um, to this like celebration of love and life that the movie is trying to get across. And I just, I could literally just rewatch this movie 
every day, any day, um, because it's just there's so much energy and young, youthful spirit in it. And <laughs> I stop it. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's he's kind of not wrong, you know, like young, young people. They're yes. out here questioning everything and being really passionate. Yeah. And, you know, and that's kind of the plot of the movie. And I mean, I won't spoil anything, but that changes in the sequels of this movie. Because there's two. Sorry. Ah, <laughs> oh, Reed, get off the show. We're done here. You spoiled it. I can't watch the movie. <laughs> oh, please. I haven't spoiled anything. Just how the mood changes. There are sequels and they change. Yeah. I can't do I can't handle this. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to break it to you, but yeah. <laughs> um, gosh, you have to watch them still, Connor. Why haven't you done that? <laughs> I can. The, the second one is on HBO, but the third one is not. So I, I I'll have to watch the second one, but the third one's gonna be a mystery. I might have to just get the Criterion Collection. Oh, I'll yeah. save up. I'll save up my for a hundred bucks or how, however expensive it is. I don't really know. I want the Criterion so bad. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think and the acting, of course, from um, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy is absolutely phenomenal. Delpy. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> one one word can derail the entire conversation. Delpy. Yeah. And I mean, this is Linklater, so he's such a an interesting and visionary director. He also did Boyhood, which you love, right, David? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he he just makes movies in like such a different way. He kind of just like puts the plot on the back burner and doesn't really care about it that much. And he just kind of lets the characters develop and 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 talk their problems through. And I just love that. I just it's just such a special movie that I love. So, yep, that's my number three. Yeah, you think you think like Linklater, like as a as a child, like uh, maybe like he was made fun of by a plot at his school, so like he swore never to have a plot again. Made fun of by plot? Uh sure. <laughs> you know, like the the bullies at school, are like they were all plots, and the plots bullied him, and he's like, as, he as a result, he has sworn against plots. Yeah, and he never just hates one. plots. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Yeah, it's all good. No worries. Anyway, uh, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> let's 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 move along before people think about that too much. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, the next movie I'm going to talk about is uh, Mulan. Hey. Ooh. Disney. More animation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys forgot about. You me said that's so unenthralled. <laughs> it's so, that is so disappointed. You're like, ugh, more animation. No, I love animation. Don't What's he going to talk I, about? I Lion King Mulan, next? <laughs> you better not talk about the Lion King. I won't. I won't. Everybody talk oh, really? About oh, okay. Um, uh, so, Mulan. This movie is great. And it's great for great. multiple reasons. One being that it has a actually good female lead um and a lot of movies today try to have female leads but it ends up blowing up in their face and not working out but mulan does it right they have a strong female lead that is really good and really entertaining to watch um I mean, not just your character, but the story all around is really awesome and really interesting, actually. Um, it's like, I, I don't know how you haven't heard of Mulan, but it's about um, this girl who um, 
fills in. Well, th- there's a war going on, and she has to fill in for her father. So she has to dress up like a guy and train for the war. Um, and you see her struggle and learning how to how to fight and become strong um, to fight in the war. And she ends up being one of the strongest, if not like one the strongest member of her troop, you know? And it's so inspirational and so awesome. And I'm sorry, but I'm going to talk about the live action for a little bit. The live action does not encapsulate this at all. Um, I, I didn't watch all of it, but I watched enough of it to know that it does not do the original justice at all. It's it's complete booty. booty. And and from the beginning, she's overpowered, you know? From the very beginning, she's overpowered. As for from the beginning in this one, she sucks. And you see her struggle and become stronger, and you sympathize with her. But in the live action, you don't sympathize with her, you know? You 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 see you see what's going on here? You see what's going on here? Um, for some reason... Preach, David, preach. Yeah, for some reason, with movies with female leads today, they don't like having the female lead struggle. They like having her be perfect from the beginning, which doesn't really make any sense, you know? And it's a bit aggravating. Um, it, it really is. But this movie does it right. And I'm so glad for it. Um, it's it's diverse. It's it's the art and the animation is beautiful. And it's just all around a really good movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, totally agree with what you're saying there. Like sometimes movies get so ahead of themselves. They're like, we have a woman character, and she's a strong woman character because she's a woman. You got to go, no. Yeah. <laughs> she's a strong. She's a strong woman character because she's a strong character. Yeah. Focusing on the wrong part. But yeah, definitely. Really solid movie. Um, I will move to my next one. Um, mine is very strange. But it's from Terry Gilliam. So of course it's strange. Uh, my movie is 12 Monkeys from 1995. The Monkeys? No. no well, not the, not the yeah. Monkeys. 12 Monkeys. Now, all things considered, if you're looking at all Terry Gilliam's movies, this is actually on the normaler side. Essentially, it takes place in this like dystopian future where everybody's kind of locked underground. Maybe some sort of nuclear holocaust happened where like, you know, every like everybody was dead except for a select amount of people. They're underground now and you can't go upside. Like you're not allowed to go there because you'll die because, you know, fumes or, you know, I don't know, something nuclear winter. Um, they don't really explain how the world ended, but it's not really the point. So the people underground are sending people to the future and trying to get them to figure out what went wrong and prevents what happened, you know? They're trying to prevent this. They're constantly sending people to the future, and eventually they send Bruce Willis to the future, because Bruce Willis is literally the only actor that's in any of these movies I'm talking about. <laughs> um, they send him to the future to figure this out, and he comes across this kind of... It's kind of a semi-cult. It's bizarre. They called The Twelve Monkeys, run by Brad Pitt, because Brad Pitt is also the only actor we'll talk about today. Um... <laughs> Essentially, these and it's once Bruce Willis figures this out, he tries to figure out a way to like and to stop this you know post apocalyptic thing from happening. And it's very strange, it has a brilliant score, it's brilliantly written. But I think what kind of sells it is Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt are fantastic. 
Like, they are absolutely great in here. They work well, really well off each other. They both bring extremely distinct personalities to the table, which I was kind of surprised about because when I saw this, I was not really big on Bruce Willis. Like, he was good, but, like, he didn't have a ton of huge personality. But this one kind of introduced that to me. He's like, wait a minute. He can actually be really, really good. And I was like, I totally, like, I was totally on board with him. Brad Pitt plays a really different character. I won't spoil what his what his kind of gimmick is, but it's really different and not any like not like things that Brad Pitt's done before. It's really funny sometimes. It's really dark sometimes. It's extremely creative, very kind of odd, but I think it's it's totally a great film for people who like if you want to watch something a little non-conventional. Like it's not exactly what has been done over and over. It's unique, it's weird, it's different. And uh, it does not have any monkeys in it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, what yeah, about that? Exactly. I had, to, I had to break it to him. Just like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon does not have any dragons or tigers in it. Wow. Two out of five. <laughs> exactly. Honestly, like, could have been better. Should have used monkeys. Unless you consider humanity the monkeys. Oh, Something no. to think about. Whoa. Wow. Thanks for making <laughs> me question existence now. <laughs> Aren't I cool? <laughs> All right, nombre dos. Yes. Read. So one director we have not talked about at all yet is Martin Scorsese. Ew, Scorsese. Um, yeah, and the movie that I'm going to bring up, he actually did a ton of '90s movies. He yeah, he was 90s, he but... was big. I would love to have talked about him, but the only Scorsese movies I've seen are either '70s or 2000s. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, so mine choice is Goodfellas from 1990. So this is like right at the beginning of the 90s. And wow, he just kicked it off great because I, this is like, this, I, this is my top 10. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Not go, go, go get it. <laughs> We're going to have to um, re- resort back to the top 10. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's this type of rise and fall crime story. It's been mimicked and done so many times before and after. Like, I can't name um, a, a movie that does it better than this and um, does it as creatively and as uh, emotionally impactful. Um, and it was, it's kind of hard to imagine what it was like seeing this for the first time in 1990 because Scorsese had really done nothing too much like this. He'd done Raging Bull taxi driver after hours he just did the last temptation of christ which stars willem dafoe as jesus go see it um <laughs> willem dafoe is jesus i mean that's honestly a selling point right it there. is yeah but obviously goodfellas is a really different it's about um it's basically about a gangster who grows up in the um slums um of the city and i forgot what i think it's new york yeah it is um, might might be west philadelphia i don't know Okay. Yeah. Um, and he race. just gets influenced by all these these crimes and gangsters, and he becomes one himself. And it's kind of this rise and fall story that's a bit depressing, and it's based on a true story. They actually called the real person um, sometimes to like find out what his life was like, which is kind of weird. <laughs> um, and it's really depressing, really sad, super entertaining, great soundtrack, great acting. I mean, I can just go on and on about how good it is, um, but you should just go see it. It's if you've seen the Irishman, it's that Irishman is kind of a callback to that. It, it kind of uses the same type of style, although the Irishman actually is even more sad at the end. Um, and it's just it's Scorsese at the height of his power. It's it's a perfect movie. 
it stars so many great actors. Um, De Niro, Liotta, um, Pesci. Um, and just the way it dives into morality and violence and all of that is just unparalleled. So. Wow. Dang, it's pretty hype. Yeah, I may be I may be completely wrong in this, but I did I read didn't they hire actual gangsters to be background characters and no one knows how they got paid? Like, wait, oh, I I knew they called people like actual gangsters, but I didn't know they hired. Yeah, I I think I read I think I had read something. It was like they hired some as background extras for certain scenes and like they couldn't obviously pay them up front. So there was no one could figure out exactly like how the how they were paid or if they were even paid at all. So oh I guess maybe Scorsese has gangster ties. I don't know. Don't he, get Scorsese might, mad. At this point, he might. Yeah. I mean, he's made enough movies, honestly. Yeah. He's, he's probably like, you know, the the, uh, the documentary maker for them at yeah. this point. Like, Although, if you see this movie, it's 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 like pretty condemning of crime living. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, crime's bad. Don't do it, kids. Yes. Go be a doctor. <laughs> anyway. David. Uh, <laughs> wow, that was a very specific, uh, specific a career to choose. Yes, doctor. <laughs> go, go be a doctor, you kids. Get educated. Yeah, get off your TikToks and go educate yourself. Exactly. Uh, so my movie is uh, I Connor seen this. I don't know if Reed has. I remember I recommended it to Reed when I first watched it. Uh, and this movie is Boys in the Hood. Oh yeah, I remember that. I didn't see it though. Yeah, it, sorry. It's, it's okay. It's it's a really good movie, and Rita, I think you'd really enjoy it. Um. Uh. So, I remember when I first watched the movie, I wasn't sure what I was going to expect. Um. I I know my dad really liked it. Um. And I was like, okay, what the heck? I'll I'll, I'll watch this movie. And I end up really enjoying it. It's it, it's it's a really well-made movie um it has it has uh it has ice cube in it um i, I think that's really like the only note oh, it's got a, it's got Lawrence fishburne that's okay one. it has Lawrence fishburne and uh ice cube who are i guess the two most notable actors in this movie um it, it's been a while since i've seen this movie um so bear, bear with me with the summary um it's it's basically about oh, kind of, kind of do you want to sum it up because you've seen it more recently. It's it's about boys in the hood. It's very plotless. <laughs> um, I mean, it has kind of a plot. Um, just about, it's about the main guy as he grows up and doesn't really he doesn't leave. That's yeah. kind of the big point. He's stuck. He's kind of just been in the hood his entire life. Yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 kind of a commentary on how a lot of African-Americans struggle leaving their socioeconomic situation, like how they're kind of stuck in these bad neighborhoods and they, and they can't leave, you know, they don't have the right opportunities or resources to, to leave that kind of life and situation that they're in. Um, and it's, it's honestly really sad. It's 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 a good movie to watch, but there are there are some sad moments in it. Um, and I think just overall, it's it's a really really good movie that I think everyone should watch. Yeah, I I talked about that one in the suggestions. So that's why I'm not including it. But it's a fantastic movie. It's tragic. It's really well made. It's it's great. 
really good. Check it out. Okay, I will. All right, yeah, number two. Oh, sorry, I, I forgot that was me. I was expecting Reed to talk next. My bad. Um, number two, I've talked about it a bit, but I will talk about it a bit more. And that is Saving Private Ryan from 1998, Steven Spielberg. Okay. Look, Saving Private Ryan on the surface is not really that different. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's based on a true story because most of these war movies are about this, uh, this unit of soldiers in World War II going to save Private Ryan. I mean, big shocker, right? Uh, but I think what made this one stand out so well is it was one of the first times that you got a big budget war movie that was like honored, you know, history and honored the tradi- like the actual realistic things that happened used a huge budget and made it personal. Like the characters didn't feel just like people doing these things. They felt like characters who had these stakes in the story and felt like they're like, if, if a character died, it meant something. And like, it was one of those movies that like it, it was night. It was, it was 1998. So it wasn't like early nineties, but it felt like there's, it, it kind of pushed the boundaries of what traditional war movies could have been. And I think uh, it, it's a movie that I feel me- meant something a little bigger than itself for the for like a time that I felt you know or sorry it meant something bigger than itself and you know that was that was unique that was different and it was really well done it's beautiful the score is fantastic because it's John Williams so of course it is but like I, it's really cannot be understated just how like emotionally impactful this movie is. It, and it knows it. Like, it takes advantage of these really emotional scenes and really powerful moments and stretches them out to make them feel as enriching as possible. It's not, like, it's not overdrawn, but it's not underdrawn, you know? Um, it's really, really well done. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think, I think, honestly, like, if you can get past the fact that it's almost three hours long, totally watch it. Like, it's really well done. Good stuff. Oh, that's all Good I've got stuff. to say. Cool. I need My to get boy. to that one. Yeah. What? I need to get to that one still. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Please do. And David, you should get to it as well. I sure will. Um, my voice is combating me at the moment for some reason, so I'm going <laughs> to okay. drink some water as you get to your number one. All right. Yeah, I'll just go ahead. Um, in this movie, I just, um, we watched, me and David watched this and like, <gasps> yes. Nice. Yes. Um, <clears throat> And it is Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah. We did watch but... together. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> um, it's just, like, basically the movie that got me into movies. So um, I was kind of interested in them. And then I watched this. And I was like, okay, wait. There's so much more here than I was giving it credit for. And then I got obsessed. And here I am now. <laughs> and um, and um, honestly, Tarant- as I would learn later, as I watch more Tarantino movies... He actually is kind of a hit or miss director for me, even though I love a lot of his movies. But yeah, his his hits, um, he really hits, and I and I love this movie so much. I just I just think it's so perfect. Um, I need to rewatch it because I haven't seen it in over like a year, and I kind of forget a lot of it. Um, but it's it actually covers so much. It's it's about the American dream. It's about um, making choices for yourself and getting out of the lifestyle that you have. Um, I know I keep on bringing this up, but it's about morality. I guess that's a thread <laughs> with a lot of good 90s movies. Um, 
Um, it has fantastic acting, of course. Um, Uma Thurman, Samuel Jackson, John Travolta, who like this brought back his career, which is good for him. Um, this is like the only good John Travolta performance. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I love John Travolta, but he's not a good actor. Yeah, no, he's not. <laughs> um, and it, it, it might be the most emotional Tarantino movie, actually. Um, maybe uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is. But Hey, I cried during the entire climax of Inglorious Bastards, okay? That was emotional. Oh, okay, you're right. That, that, that was a good climax. <laughs> I was crying the entire time. Really? Saluting the American flag. Oh, please. <laughs> now I'm playing. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just dark and colorful and wonderful and it's so unique. Like, I, I cannot name another movie with this structure and with this um, dialogue with these cool characters. And I just kind of want to live inside the movie, even though it's kind of a warped uh, world. So, yeah, I just, it's a cliche choice. Everyone knows it, but I cannot recommend it enough. And it's one of my favorite movies ever. That's good. Yeah. All right. My <coughs> last movie is. Stuart Little. I'm just kidding. It's, no, it's is not, it not Stuart Little. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, it's Stuart Little. <laughs> no. My last movie is um, The Matrix. Oh, great movie. I, I, kept, I wanted to bring it up, but I, keep forget, I kept forgetting yeah. to bring it up. The Matrix, it's an iconic <clears throat> 90s movie. It has Keanu Reeves. Um, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, this movie is so good. It's such a good movie. Um, like I kind of mentioned, I kind of mentioned it a little bit when I mentioned Toy Story 2, how it's one of those movies that got a sequel. And this movie was deserving of a sequel, even if the sequel wasn't as good. It is yeah, quite mediocre. as good as the original. The original Matrix is amazing. It's, it's an amazing movie. It's, 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 if you haven't seen the matrix, um, it's about this guy who I guess he's living like this mundane life. He's living his day to day life. And then he kind of gets sucked into the matrix. You know, he like, he's, he's forced to, to, to join the matrix. I I don't want to spoil it too much, but, um, you know, it has that iconic scene with the red pill and the blue pill, you know? Um, like choose one, um, and it's it's such it's such an iconic and awesome film. It has so many iconic moments, like the pill moment, or the moment when like he freezes time with all those bullets, and he does those like weird, like acrobatic parkour type stuff. And it's it's just it's it's a really fun action movie, and just movie to think about at the same time. It's it's not incredibly long. Um, I think it's like an hour and a half. Um, I, I I don't know who directed it, but the Wachowski says yes. Well, yes. they were the Wachowski. They were the Wachowski brothers at the time, and then now they're the sisters. But that's yeah. neither here nor there. But anyways, um, it's a really awesome fun movie. If you haven't seen it, please watch it because it's it's one of those quintessential classic movies that I think everyone should watch. Yes, great movie. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, also, it's one of the movies that I feel has been some of the most overthought movies ever. Like, it's deep, but it's not that yeah. deep. Let's calm down here. Um, but, you know, that's just me. 
Uh, I like Matrix a lot, though. Keanu Reeves is great. Um, finally, I will talk about my last movie, and then we can wrap things up and go into some suggestions. Um, my number one has been talked about. It's been mentioned, and I think it may, be, it may sound like a cop-out to a lot of people, but this is one of the biggest comfort movies that I've ever had. Like, I can watch this movie anytime and love it and relax. And that is, of course, Jurassic Park. Ooh. Like, we mentioned it earlier. And, I don't know, it's just, like, it's such a brilliantly simple movie. A, it's just a movie about an island full of dinosaurs. Like, that's such a basic idea. And it's a cool idea. And it's just the movie taking advantage of it. Like, what if people were thrown onto this island of dinosaurs? And it's it has a lot of these really iconic characters and these iconic, like, situations because they're so creative and different. Like, no movies at the time had done something like this and just took advantage of this brilliant concept. It's really interesting. It's really intense. It's got quotable line after quotable line. Friggin' Jeff Goldblum. Like, that's just a point on its own because Jeff Goldblum's the best. But, like, there's just so many great things in this movie that, like, make it stand out. And, like, it's such an easy movie to watch. Like, it's... It's an it's such popcorn fun, you know. You sit down, you sit in there, you sit there with your boys, as David would say, and just enjoy a film. It's such a enriching experience, and it's so unique and different and intense. And it laid the way for so many other movies. And the CGI is fantastic. I love watching scenes and figuring out which ones were animatronics and which ones were CGI. Like they do a great job of balancing that out so that it doesn't become too obvious. It's really well made. Uh, Steven Spielberg aced it again. The score is fantastic because John Williams, like, it's just a fantastic movie. And it's not like, I wouldn't say it's perfect, but I think it's as good as it needs to be. Like, there's, if, if, if it were any more perfect, I almost feel it would be a little, it would be more stale in a way. I mean, yeah. I, I, I can't necessarily back that up with evidence or anything, but... I mean, I, I honestly think this movie is as perfect as it can get. Uh, really solid movie. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yay. So, yes. boys, we've done it. We've finished our top fives. Is there any closing thoughts on the decade that, any, yeah. that anybody wants to crack at? Reed, David, either person. Go for it. Um, I feel like I yeah. don't have much more to say. Yeah. I think... Um, just, no worries of course like any decade there was so much great stuff um and of course i left out we left out so like um shawshank redemption silence of the lambs um stuff like that um, there's a good there's good reason for that i haven't <laughs> seen them oh my gosh watch that <laughs> i know i really should yeah, but i'm not i'm i will get to it yeah um and yeah just all, all around great decade i don't know if you guys want to add anything um yeah yeah no um that's all i've got i'm sorry <laughs> i usually i can i can pull out something like something you know sounds that sounds kind of big but in reality it's just me saying the 90s were cool <laughs> but um i i don't really got much at the moment all right but i will say i will say one thing and that is if you have not seen any of the movies we just talked about you're doing a disservice to yourself yeah, like, go watch them. 
every one of the movies you brought up, fantastic. Yeah. And I think everyone should get out there and watch them. And they're not hard to find. They're really not. Because a lot of these movies are in circulation on the streaming services. Like, I don't mean to bring out my chart of streaming services no, as no, I do no. have that. But like, but, like, the stuff on Netflix, like Jurassic Park, the Matrix movies, they get moved to Peacock or something, and then or Hulu, and then go back to Netflix in a couple months. So you can find these movies if you just look hard enough. Yeah, or just pirate like them. Like Reed does. Or pirate them. But, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the cheapo's way out, you know? <laughs> you, you, I mean, you're not wrong. I really should take advantage of it. But, you know, shh. We're not talking no. about pirating on this podcast. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, Reed, why would you bring up pirating? Hey, people any, any who... <laughs> bring it up publicly on Letterboxd, so... Oh, yeah. I've seen that so many times. People just be like, oh, yeah, I illegally pirated this movie and 13 others, and you'd be like, well, okay. Well, people Good for ask you. me where I watch stuff, and I'm like, uh... I, and I just, like, put the pirate flag emoji. And... <laughs> just just a wink. It was yeah. a long wink. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, no sweat, y'all. Alright, suggestions. Reed, you are our guest. Okay. What is what's a movie or a show or anything that you've been enjoying recently that you think the listeners should partake piece. in? Wait, so I do... a classical music piece, maybe? Please, David. I I actually came up with an album that is not <laughs> classical. Oh my so, gosh! Yeah, this I know. is this is very untraditional. Yeah. Um. Wait. So do I say three or just one? Uh, do as many as you want. Okay. I, I would say limit it at like four. <laughs> like, I okay. mean, don't be here all day. Yeah. Yeah. No, I also don't. Yeah, I, I don't want to limit you. So, okay, I'll just I'll just do two or three. Um, go for it. So, I an album I really recommend that I listen to, and I've been listening to a lot is Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. Um, hey, Beach Boys. Yes, I've heard and, of them. Yeah, uh, good. I'm glad they are like Brian Wilson is like the best person ever and the best musician ever and the best composer ever, and I just love his music so much. I love he he's just such a weird. Beach Boys have such a weird, cool sound while also sounding, like, um, really pleasant to the ears. And it's just, like, a completely unique experience. This was, they were obviously influenced by the Beatles at the time, I'd say. But they completely brought their own um, sound to it. Pet sounds, haha. And um, <laughs> it's just great. I just love it. Go listen to this album. Um, there's so many great songs on it. Um, That's right. Yeah. And... And I also just watched a movie recently that kind of, um, I was debating whether to do this or Mad Max Fury Road, but oh. kind of everyone's watched Fury Road already. So I don't know. If <laughs> Even gonna... David's seen Fury Road. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was playing David. It's all good. Yeah. No, Fury Road is great, but I just watched another movie called The Prestige by Christopher Nolan. And it is so good. It's, it's, it just twists with your mind. Um, like Nolan does in all of his movies, even though I need to see most of them. Um, it's just yeah, plays... based off what you've heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's all good. Of course, which I love. And um, it just twists with time. There's great performances from everyone, particularly Christian Bale, who would play Batman in Christopher Nolan's next movies. And then it's just, it's a plot about uh, two magicians who basically compete after one of the um, magicians accidentally kills the other's wife. Then it kind of turns into this game of obsession and anger and uh, jealousy, and it just it just wraps in this fantastic conclusion. It's like it's like a modern Othello kind of Othello. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, ooh, ooh, classical yeah. connections. Yes, Shakespeare. 
Um, it's just it's just a super good movie, and I recommend it. Oh yeah, yeah. Prestige is really solid. Yeah, I kind of have conflicting feelings on it. Like on the one hand, I love a lot of the ideas. I think the acting's incredible, but I don't know. I thought that twist was kind of a cop out. Like something about it to me seemed so like so kind of stupid. But I oh, mean, that's, I I think I both the, the premise and the twist is completely stupid. But I think it works in this movie because I don't think it's actually about the twist. It's more about their obsessions and how they just completely go overboard. So it's more of like a warning tale sure. to me. But yeah, I, I get you. See, like, yeah, I just think it's a bit less plot uh, focused. Sure, I, I would love to rewatch it. Yeah, it's on my shelf. It. It's right over there. I'm pointing at it right now. You can't see because it's a it podcast. Right but... <laughs> yeah. And well, then... regardless. Yeah, go on. All right. Oh, wait. Okay, so I'll do my final one is a show, which I'm not actually finished with. Um, <laughs> That's show. literally what we, me and David, <laughs> do every time. <laughs> yeah, I just love it so far. It is Ooh, Cowboy Bebop. So good. It's a good show. It's the highest rated. It's so thing. good. What? Yes, it's so good. I agree. David's just happy to be back in his element again. He's like, yes, anime. <laughs> yes, anime. This is the only anime show I've actually ever watched. But it's, wow. Like, everything about it is just so good. It blends so many different genres. Western, crime, um, thriller, comedy, mystery. It's it's drama, of course. And it's it's so much. There are episodes that are such great, like... um pastiches of uh alien for instance or other alien movies um there's great movies that delve back into the uh, not movies episodes that delve back into the past um of each character and and every single character here is so deep and well fleshed out it's just crazy and i never thought i'd get this much enjoyment out of an anime show which i thought was just kind of gonna be like bloom actions i don't know (laughs) But it's it was it's super good, and I can't wait to finish it. I'm about like halfway through, so I'm glad you're enjoying yeah. it. That's yeah, that's so awesome. Have you seen the Cowboy no, Bebop movie, David? Oh, you should watch that too. <laughs> and hey, it's one of the few shows that if you really wanted yeah. to, you could log on Letterbox. Yes, that's what I'm gonna do. It's the highest rated thing ever on Letterbox. I think it got beat by. Taylor oh, Swift. oh that's right that's gonna go down soon, though, I bet. <laughs> oh it will yeah it's it's always with those like musical specials like yeah that one beyonce did yeah for disney plus that was the highest rated thing for like a week and then it shot down <laughs> but it's not like it's poorly yeah. rated but like yeah it's, it's not the highest rated thing anymore yeah um but off topic david um, how many you i got? have two well i would shame you <laughs> but i also only have two <laughs> i know i'm Reed's actually yeah. doing our show better than we are. Yeah. No, wait, yeah, actually, no, I, have okay. yeah. I have three. I have three. I have three. Well, uh, now I got to think I, of one. I only have three, um, but they're all shows. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Okay, now I feel a little bit better about myself <laughs> so, now. The first show, you, you guys already know I'm going to talk about. Um, also, the show I've been watching. Um, and, guys, it's finally come to an end i mean the show hasn't come to an end but i'm probably gonna slow down talking about it because i finally caught up i finally caught up to one piece yes oh my gosh you were watching this well i started ago. it <laughs> Sorry. Um, a year ago but i got to a point where i was just like i'm just gonna stop watching this 
because it's too long. Um, But then um, I I ended up making a deal with one of my friends and he was like, finish the show and then I'll watch that you recommend. And I held up my part of the deal. And oh, my God, guys, this show is great. Um, I, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about the most recent arc too much because it's it's mostly a spoiler. Wano is mostly a spoiler, so I'll kind of avoid um, spoiler territory with Wano. But I'm gonna talk. talk I'm gonna talk about the show overall. Um, One Piece is a fantastic show. Um, it's 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 a modern epic. It has over nine hundred chapters and over 900 episodes more precisely 997 chapters and 951 episodes and from the sound of that 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 sounds very intimidating right like oh my god i'm gonna i'm gonna slave my life away to one piece and i'm not gonna have any time to do anything else and yes (laughs) because it is is a huge commitment i agree but I sincerely, with all my heart, think it is a worthy investment. And you can take breaks in between arcs, um, but I'm I'm personally going to say that um, you probably won't (laughs) because you're probably going to enjoy it so much that you're not going to want (laughs) to stop. Um, It's such a good show, and the character development with all members of the Straw Hat crew are so well flushed out. Um, you feel you feel a connection to the characters that I haven't really gotten from any other show or movie before. It's it's like it's like in a way they become your family because you've been with them for so long. I mean, there are people that have been watching this show from the very beginning for the past twenty years. Those people really have a strong connection to this show or manga um and even 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 i who's only been watching this show for the past i guess year and a half now i i feel a strong connection to it it's just everything about it the the world building is like no other the 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 characters are like no other the storytelling is like no other it's it's just absolutely an incredible show i highly recommend starting one piece you don't even have to you don't have to you don't have to finish anytime soon just start it it's 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 absolutely incredible guys it really really is um like i said it's probably one of the last times i'm going to be talking about it because i'm all caught up and i'm not going to talk about the individual episodes so um like i said guys very very good show highly recommend um it's one of my favorite shows of all time um, check it out, please. You know, if One Piece is so good, why isn't there a <laughs> two-piece yet? Hmm? I don't know. Wow, that's unanswerable, Connor. Yeah, yeah. check <laughs> checkmate. I win. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Okay, uh, round My second two show. Days, what's your second show? Um, so that Michael actually recommended for me. Um, that I, I, I'm 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 enjoying. I'm only three episodes in. Um, because the episodes are like movie length. They're like an hour and 40 minutes long. Um, <laughs> Yet he doesn't have time to watch movies. Um, it's like, ah, yes, I will watch three hours of Sherlock, but oh no, the lobster is too long. Ah. 
Ah, my brain. You wouldn't watch The Lobster? Wow. I told him, I was like, yeah, you should watch The Lobster. He goes, okay, I will. He watches the first third and goes, oh, I'm too tired. I can't finish it. That was two weeks ago. That was two weeks ago. Just watch The Favorite, David. It's better. Yeah. That's the one one with Emma Stone. Uh, I rented it. I rented it at one point (laughs) and never watched it. God. Watch I, I wanted to. I really do. I just I didn't have time. <laughs> I just didn't finish it. Yeah. I didn't Anyways, like Connor said, the show that I'm watching is Sherlock. Um, this. Okay, so <laughs> when, when I heard Sherlock, I was like, Sherlock Holmes, really? That that sounds so boring. Sherlock Holmes sounds so boring. But it's it's a modern take to it. It's a modern take to the classic stories of Sherlock. It has Benedict Cumberbatch. Um and I, it's a really fun show, guys. Um, the 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 wittiness of Benedict Cumberbatch is is so funny. Um, with his interactions with uh, John Watson, it's 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 so funny. And you know, you imagine John Watson be this old guy, but he's actually like this young-ish guy. Um, and it, it's it's a really funny and fun show um, with mysteries that you don't see coming. Like it, it's it's almost impossible to predict what the mystery is going to be, because the I guess the the bad guy of the episode um, isn't really introduced until like the very end, so it's almost impossible to um, predict who the bad guy is going to be. But the mysteries are really fun. Um, like I said, I'm like three episodes in, but um, from what I watched so far, it's a really good show, guys. Um, I highly recommend checking it out. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've been heard so show. many good things. And then so uh, my last recommendation is another anime, um, and this show is called Haikyuu. It's a can you, H- can you spell that? U U. Like you. Oh, that's weird. Like yeah, I was like, I would never even know what to yeah. look up for that. That's a very um, strange word. So, but please elaborate further. I put off watching this show for so long, for so long, um, because it was a sports anime, and I, I, I was like, why would anybody want to watch that? Oh my god! No, Did I didn't. To the sports Hear me side? out. Hear me out. I was like, why would anybody <laughs> want to watch this trash? It's 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 sports. You can go outside and play some dang volleyball yourself. Why do you got to watch a show of it, you know? And I watched the first episode of this show, and wow, this show is more than just a sports anime. It, it, is, it is far more than that. Um, it's, it's about this kid who wants to play volleyball, but the thing is, he's like 5'4". And he's playing against and he's playing against guys who are like over six feet tall. And he wants to be a spiker. And you guys know that spikers have to jump pretty high and spike the ball down, you know? And there's tall dudes blocking him. So it's like, how do you do this? How do you become a spiker against all these odds? And watching this, watching watching his struggle is is very inspirational. Um it's it's a it's a very very good story. Uh, I'm only like ten episodes in, 
Um, but already it's 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 a really awesome show. And you see his rivalry um with the with the setter on the team, um, because they used to play against each other in middle school and the setter was known as like the king of the court, um, because he always wanted to do things his way and he would never actually pass the ball to his team. Um and yeah, you, you see how his growth and having to uh, accept and adapt to the players on his team and actually pass the ball to them. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a really interesting and fun show um, that I think people should give a chance to. Um, if, if you're like me and was very avoidant of watching sports anime, I think you should give it a chance because I come, I come from a place like you who thought sports anime was dumb. This show is a, an exception. It's quite good. And I think People should check it out. There's a f- hilarious pro ZD script uh, skit that's totally this exact situation. Which you know, go go look up pro ZD. He's he's really funny um, on YouTube. Yeah, but yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I will I will go to my two. I, I might think of a third, but I, I'll stick with my two for now. Uh, I got a movie and a show for you listeners out there. Uh, one is a, uh, is a movie, of course. Uh, this is one of those movies that it's probably going to become five stars at some point. It probably will. Because it's very much my kind of movie. Uh, it's a movie called Dead Poets Society from 1989. Uh, directed by Peter Weir, the guy who did Truman's show. Um, well, so like, here's the thing. One of my favorite things with movies is i love movies that that are proponents of free thinking like i love that idea that like you need to create be be your own person create things that are distinctly you and like embrace a side of you that you didn't know you know like learn question that's why i love movies like thank you for smoking so much because it's totally the same message and i think dead poet society is a great example of that it's about this this really this this like preparatory like high school thing. It's very very. It's this Catholic school where it's very orderly. Very, it's one of those expensive you know up their own butt school. You know, like they have to wear the wear the uh, uniform and do things traditionally, and it's very tight like that. And there's this class, this English class or actually poetry class that's taught by Robin Williams. This this he plays the main teacher, and he's he's not like the other teachers because he kind of he preaches this idea that like you don't need a textbook you can create your own questions you can learn and read poetry and do things your own way and as a result kind of motivates this group of students one of them is young Ethan Hawke by the way so that's another reason to watch it um they create this or they revive this poet like poet club called dead the dead poet society where they go off in the night find this like abandoned cave and just read poetry to each other and just bond. Like it's, it's just about like, it's very, very simple. It's about like embracing free thinking and embracing doing things your own way and learning and growing. And it's a really well done movie. It's brilliantly written. The characters are great. It deals with a lot of really complicated ideas in ways that are very like easy to swallow. Uh, It's just brilliantly done. And I feel like, I probably will end up liking this movie a lot more on a rewatch. 
and it'll probably rise up the ranks. Who knows? Maybe this will be another Moonrise Kingdom where it shot up my yeah, my. Yeah. Uh, yeah, who knows? We'll see. But it's a great movie, and I think the only thing that holds it back is that it has a really big cast. And if you if you read a lot of my reviews on Letterboxd, you know it's kind of like I don't like when when casts get too big because it gets a little bloated. Then again, I also really like Grand Budapest Hotel, so I don't know. Maybe I'm a hypocrite. Who knows? But regardless, <laughs> I think it's a really, really well done movie that I think is a must watch for anybody. Like, it's go check it out. It's fantastic. Um, secondly, Mandalorian episode thirteen. Here we go. I, that's the Here only show go. I watch because Cora's getting boring. Because <laughs> Cora's getting boring, so I have to watch Mandalorian. Uh. Mandalorian's great. The newest episode, I can't even summarize it for you because it has way too many spoilers in it. But David, I will say, yes, David, there are lightsabers now. Exactly. That's that's the only thing I'll tell you about this episode's plot. But you learn a lot. It's probably one of the most visually pleasing episodes because it has great action and great CGI. It's got lightsabers. It's absolutely absolutely one of the best episodes you've gotten so far um and i think if you weren't sold up to this point this is the episode that will sell you on the series absolutely mm. fantastic um it's that's really all i could say because i can't go into spoilers but it it's it's very it honors the past shows it respects that they existed and it takes the things from those shows but at the same time it's also very easy for someone who hasn't watched the shows to go into it and enjoy it and it still crafts its own path because it's dealing with different ideas that have never been touched on before in a star wars property absolutely fantastic um i think it's one of the most well-made shows that you can watch right now in terms of budget uh it looks great action's great character's great writing's great all that good stuff uh definitely check it out if you have yet to watch it uh david and of course, I don't know if Reed's watched it, but David watched it. Um, definitely check it out. It's a fantastic show. Um, and I could stall more, but we're at 97 minutes. So what's the point of stalling? Uh, <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you, Reed, for hopping on. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been of fun. Of course, of course. Yeah. Uh, Dece- on December, like December 20th, I believe, is going to be the last episode of the season. We're going to take a break until January. So All right. we're going to do a big old like, Q&A episode that day. We're going to answer a bunch of questions about the show, about, about the podcast, just talking about it, what we like about it, what are some general thoughts, you know. But we need your questions. What's that smell underscore you thinking again? The Instagram, go question there. Amino, Connor underscore 91302 if you use that. Um, and if you have our personals, you know, ask us there. But honestly, just... We want to make this the most laid back, you know, relaxed, interesting episode. So just if you have any questions, ask us there. Um, that's uh, all I've got, David. All right. Thank you guys for listening to yet another episode of the podcast. Ooh.